lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. I am Steve Dace, back there. Now they're the ones risking their lives. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are back there in the studio. Gentlemen, be careful over there. So to give you guys an update, they found three more massive nests yesterday. Aaron, you said you got attacked this morning, correct? You even sent me a video. That that sucker was fairly plump. That was not uh, a, a, a tiny little yellow jacket that went after you today. I was just sitting at the computer minding my own business when looking up at the monitor I have right here. Um, it just kind of arose over the monitor like some sort of military gunship and came right at my face. I moved away. It followed me. You know, It was horrifying. Bigger, and you needed faster, zi- stronger. Uh, I zapped it multiple times. I electrocuted it multiple times. It took me getting my pliers and squeezing it for it to finally die. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You had to get pliers? Yeah. It was like a it was like a tick. That's how you kill ticks. This thing is wow. supposed to be a yellow jacket. I electrocuted it. I mean it was starting to smoke, but it was still going. Todd, you're sitting back there in the catbird seat, man. Have your head on a swivel, brother. That would be my advice for you today. This is like, is this Ant-Man and the Wasp Part Three? What's going on here? What's going on here is, is, is I actually, in a, in a twisted and typical Steve Day's contrarian way, I actually think this is a positive development in that they have finally figured out what the sources of all of this activity is, and you know these things are are getting very ornery uh, on the way out, so. At the, I think this this is actually a sign of making progress, the the increased aggression, uh, because I think that they realize that uh, the the superior species has had enough uh, of uh, of of them claiming squatters' rights over our uh, over our airways, and so at least that's what I'm going with. Knowing, however, I still may be in this little adjunct studio uh, for the foreseeable future, just to warn everybody, because I'm not I'm not going back in there until there's at least been two or three days that nobody has seen anything or the temperature drops to like 60 uh, degrees outside, whichever, whichever comes first. Right. I'll try to, you know, tame them like circus animals or something like that. If they come along, maybe we can, can't we all get along? Maybe we can. You don't even notice this. Maybe always, we always have to point it out to you. You're like not even paying attention. All right. So have your head on a swivel, man. I'm just warning you have your head on a swivel. All right, coming up on the program today at the bottom of the hour, Dr. Marty McCarry from Johns Hopkins University is going to join us. Uh, And he put out a thread and also a column for the Wall Street Journal asking about natural immunity. And I think this is one of the key arguments that we have to win here uh, up against COVID stands. So we're going to ask him some questions about why the denial of natural immunity. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Next hour... You know, you keep hearing this is primarily now a pandemic of the vaccinated. So over the last couple of days in what what I have left of what's called spare time, I have gone to the dashboards of all 50 U.S. states to try to figure out what kind of information is out there, because CDC does not provide this, shockingly, not at all, not at all. Um, So we have to do this individually by state. I suppose you could do this on an even more granular level by county. I don't have the time for that. Uh, But I did go and give an exhaustive look at all 50 U.S. states 
to find out, first of all, who's even giving you information on the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And then the states that do break it down, what do their numbers actually say? We will go over that with you for fake news or not. I'm not going to draw any conclusions from this information until at least I hear the conclusions that Todd and Aaron will draw from it after we're finished with this rundown on fake news or not next hour. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to look at the smashing success of Shang-Chi, a character almost no one had ever heard of until the movie was announced a couple of years ago, and still almost nobody knew anything about until the movie came out two weeks ago. And now it is poised to be, at least until we see what happens with Spider-Man at the end of the year, the number one movie of 2021. And now we're seeing studios with the success of Shang-Chi, they're actually moving up release dates now, uh, thinking, hey, maybe if we have a good movie, people will actually go. Let's try that. Maybe the reason they're staying home is we haven't produced a lot of good movies. So we'll get into the conversation about the secret success of Shang-Chi and what it may mean both about the future of movies, but also the future of the MCU. We'll get into that with Pop Culture Tuesday coming up uh, at the very final segment of the program. But before we get to all of that, of course, we begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by who could have seen this coming? The Atlantic has gained a substantial track record of being the worst magazine of the pandemic repeatedly cheering on countries as an example for the United States to follow, while not reporting while those countries have a huge uptick in cases and deaths, and jeering the United States as being some sort of backwater third world crap fest who can't get the virus under control. But yesterday, columnist David Zweig, who has been one of the lone coronavirus skeptics at the publication, got the inside scoop on a new paper written by researchers at Harvard Tufts Medical Center and the VA healthcare system. Zweig detailed the findings of the new study in his essay for The Atlantic titled, Our Most Reliable Pandemic Number is Losing Meaning. The researchers in the paper poured over and analyzed nearly 50,000 COVID hospital admissions at more than 100 VA hospitals across the country. They checked to see whether each patient required supplemental oxygen or had a blood oxygen level below 94%. That's the criteria used by the National Institutes of Health as being severe COVID. If either of those conditions was met, the authors classified that patient as having a moderate to severe disease. Otherwise, the case was considered mild or symptomatic. The story continues, quote, The study found that from March 2020 through early January 2021, before vaccination was widespread and before the Delta variant had arrived, the proportion of patients with mild or asymptomatic disease was 36%. From mid-January through the end of June 2021, however, that number rose to 48%. In other words, the study suggests that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely or had only a mild presentation of the disease. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, told ya. Dr. Anthony Fauci says showing proof of vaccination to travel anywhere may be the administration's next step. It seems to me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and nobody's going to check me. Do you think that needs to change? 
Well, that's on the consideration, certainly. He was also asked what the threshold for reaching herd immunity is. Joe, we don't know. A new review published at The Lancet by an international team of scientists concludes there's no evidence COVID booster shots will do any good. Quote, current evidence does not, therefore, appear to show a need for boosting the general population, in which efficacy against severe disease remains high. In completely unrelated news, Denver Broncos right guard Graham Glasgow was taken to the hospital after their game against the Giants on Sunday evening out of an abundance of caution for an irregular heartbeat. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made an announcement yesterday to counter the Biden administration's new actions on vaccine mandates. If a government agency in the state of Florida uh, forces uh, a vaccine as a condition to employment, that violates Florida law and you will face and you will face a $5,000 fine for every single violation. Moving on, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken testified in front of Congress yesterday over the Afghanistan debacle. Thank you for very, uh, rightly putting the spotlight on concerns about the LGBTQI plus community. Uh, in Afghanistan and the particular threat that they uh, may find themselves under. Uh, this is something that we are focused on. He also blamed the previous administration for this one's abject failure. Uh, thank you, Congressman. Uh, we, uh, we inherited a deadline. We did not inherit a plan. In other odds and ends, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez showed up at the annual satanic ritual known as the Met Gala, which costs $30,000 per person to attend, wearing a dress emblazoned with the words, Tax the Rich. In California, Today is Recall Day. Let's check in on how that's going with KTLA-TV in Los Angeles. Several people tell us they showed up to vote this morning in the special California governor recall election and were told that computers showed they had already cast their ballots. So what? And finally, recording artist Nicki Minaj, she of the hit songs like I Endorse These Strippers and Stupid Ho, among many others, tweeted this last night. My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied, end quote. And that's what happened while we were away. Hmm. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Sweat Block. You know, there's never a great time to be all sweaty. We've all been there, and it seems to happen at the worst possible times. Maybe you're in the middle of doing some public speaking or a job interview. How about a first date? That's why you want to tame the swamp monster. Here's, here's the cure. Sweat Block antiperspirant. First of all, they're wipes. Uh, you wipe them on your pits at night before bedtime, get up the next morning, shower, do all the normal things you do to get ready for the day, and you should be go good to go for several days, uh, sometimes for up to a week. I've tried the sweat block antiperspirant, and it is stronger than even clinical antiperspirants out there. I tried it even on one of the hottest days of the Iowa summer while we were off for Aaron's uh, paternity leave, and it more than held up and held its own. So I have personally tried these products and can vouch for how well they work to help, well, Block sweat. That's why they call it sweat block. Right now, you get 20% off when you go to sweatblock.com, just like it sounds, sweatblock.com, and use the promo code DACE, D E A C E, at sweatblock.com with the promo code DACE. Today in the overtime, we are going to be discussing a thread I put out on Twitter this morning. 
The reason why we're going to be discussing it in overtime is because if we had a brutally honest conversation about what indeed is the cause for this data, we wouldn't be able to post that program on any social media platform. So instead, we will set it aside to discuss it for apparently only the administration. The Biden administration is allowed to openly go out there and say, you need to get vaccinated, that we need to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated, which if I had even said just a couple of months ago on a, pro- on a platform like Twitter or Facebook, that if you're vaccinated, you are not protected. As the administration is currently saying in its messaging, if I had said this even a month or two ago, I'd have been suspended, if not outright banned from Facebook and Twitter for making such a charge. But the Biden administration apparently gets to get gets away with making uh, such claims. So therefore, we're going to have the open and honest conversation this data requires. What is that data? Well, so far in the first two weeks of September, cases in the U.S., are up over 300% from where they were the first two weeks of last September. So far in the U.S., deaths in the U.S. are up 155% higher than they were in the first two weeks of last September. I don't know how many science textbooks you all read in school, how much you studied the scientific process, but that is not how a vaccination program is supposed to work. So how is this happening? We will have a brutally honest conversation about the possibilities of what this means coming up in the overtime today. Uh, again, and you can get access to that today at blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E. And that's where you can uh, go and watch it later today. We will record it right after today's program for you at blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at a reduced rate today at blazetv.com slash dace so that you do not miss that conversation. Let's get to the rest of what is in Aaron's montage. It, it, It sort of seems like the fix is in in California, guys, or... Am I just overreacting? Is is this right-wing media? You know, KTLA, is this right-wing media, as CNN said yesterday, again, claiming uh, voting irregularities in California? Your thoughts, gentlemen. Who's going to hold them accountable? Exactly. That's it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't—it's asked and answered. Uh, Intel, there's pain. Pain— they're never going to learn. They they know that they own the moment. I'm encouraged that we finally saw in New York uh, some protests in the streets, um, but it's it, it's going to take extended protests at every level and every business at every hospital that tries to fire nurses. Uh, those protests are just the beginning, and until there is a level of pain that they don't believe you can or will inflict it's not going to stop and certainly not in california i think the fact that the white house is allowing joe biden and i think at one point kamala was supposed to be out there as well but the fact that they're allowing him to go out there and campaign today that's a pretty clear indication that uh, at least in newsom's camp that they're pretty confident by hook or by crook they're going to pull this thing out and it's just, I mean, time is a flat circle, guys. I was about to say, asked and answered as well. Time is a flat circle. Oh, I, I, I went to the, the the polling place and I it was show show that I already voted. How many of our colleagues around the country, ex Californians, have posted on social media that they got not one but two, maybe multiple 
ballots for this recall mm-hmm. election? How mm-hmm. many of those stories have we seen? So, of course, of course, let's say the most innocent explanation is that the California elections are so mismanaged that these types of things happen. That's still not very, <laughs> that's still not very um, encouraging, if you will. So I don't know if we'll ever know for sure whether it was a fix or whether it was just uh, the Democrat machine out there flexing uh, its actual get out the vote uh, muscle. But when you showed them, a la what Todd was just saying, when you showed them that nobody's going to be held accountable if your elections suck, if you show them that nobody's going to be held accountable, who needs a get out the vote operation when you've got a get out the fraud operation? And yes, I said that out Mm. loud. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the lesson that we're learning here. By the way, do we know who won the Iowa Democrat caucuses yeah. of, of 2020 yet? <laughs> and, and fraud or not, this is just biblical at this point. This is, we want Barabbas. That's, look at that place. It's, it's an absolute toilet bowl. And they because, say, yeah, we're good. And Todd, you're making a, a profound point there. Let's just let's just pretend for one minute. I don't want to park on this for too long, Steve. I'm sorry. Let's just pretend. Hey, I went there first. It's okay. Go ahead. It, Let's pretend for one minute that these elections are going to be 100% secure, 100% safe, and 100% just completely above the uh, above board, the likes of which we have not seen in the yeah. 21st century. That might be worse. That's the point that you're making, right? That would be right? worse. <laughs> yes. Because at this point, the Democrat machine and Democrats in California are like, oh, crap, uh, literally in the street. I just stepped on it. I don't want anybody saying that a Republican or anybody seeing that a Republican or anything other than a Democrat machine can do anything differently at this point. I know I just dodged three piles of human feces on my way into work in San Francisco this morning. I don't want to admit, though, that my favorite po- political party screwed all of this up. I think that's the result that we still might see there. Yep. Hmm. You know, um, our buddy Constantinus Rodidas has been sending us uh, the updates that he has on the data from the uh, for the elder campaign, and I just respond with two words when he sends these to me: "Get out." Those are the only two words. I, I I don't I don't give him. And you guys know I love data, and I can go back and forth in the minutia. I don't. I just nope. My only response is get out. Another good friend of mine told me this morning. His wife has a documented recovered case of COVID, and she's pregnant now and scheduled to deliver here in about a month. And he wanted to get uh, her—they live in California, too—he wanted to get her a pregnancy massage as a gift, uh, and uh, they won't see her because she's not vaccinated. Even though the two groups that are showing the greatest danger signs for adverse side effects— are the are, are side effects involving myocarditis among young men, uh, which may or may not be the case going on with Broncos guard Graham Glasgow, former Michigan Wolverine, by the way, uh, or uh, or in addition to that, are women reproductive health, female reproductive health. So natural immunity doesn't matter. The fact that she's scheduled to deliver in a month doesn't matter. Um, that uh, they still won't see her. Uh, without being fully vaccinated. I mean, to me, unless you are specifically called to mission, I don't know why anyone would voluntarily live in places like this. I I mean, there's other places to work, other places to live. Unless, unless, you know, if you work in the film industry, like this buddy of mine does, he doesn't really have anywhere else to go, okay? But unless it's something unique like that, or you are missionally called to serve this particular era of heathen, I, I, I don't know why you would voluntarily live in a place like that. 
<clears throat> and subject yourself to that kind of tyranny. I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the old Sam Kinison line about starving in Africa in the 80s. You know, I mean, move where the freedom is. Move where the liberty is. And, and I don't think people... <laughs> I, I don't know, folks, I can't wait till we bring Marty McCary on here at the bottom of the hour, because if if Fauci cannot answer now, he is he's the nation's leading expert, folks. That's that's the that's 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 the catchphrase, right? That's the mantra. The nation's leading infectious disease expert. We are facing our worst infectious disease outbreak in a hundred years. And on Sunday, he could not answer for us why people with recovered infections needed to still get vaccinated. And now he cannot answer for us what herd immunity is. Folks, those are only like two of the three or four most important questions for somebody in his line of work. He's not treating patients, guys. He's looking at this whole cloth from a population health standpoint. It's not like he's bogged down with patients, half of them apparently, that in the hospitals don't need to be there, according to the study that we got from the Atlantic yesterday. And as Aaron pointed out, this has been, they created the original COVID dashboard. This has been one of the worst panic porn pimps for COVID from day one. And now they're publishing an article saying they've got hands on a study that shows this year, maybe more than half of what we counted as hospitalizations didn't need to be so. And that's the original rationale for why we had to shut down everything from the very beginning. I told you all last year, this was the dumbest, most immoral policy. We've had dumber policies. We've had more immoral policies. We've never had dumber and immoral worse than this combined. It's the worst ever in history of this country. Maybe all of Western civilization, maybe freaking human history. One of the greatest scams since Adam and Eve in the third chapter of Genesis. And now we're sitting here. We're sitting here with two-thirds of the American population fully vaccinated. Over 80% of our seniors, the most vulnerable population, fully vaccinated. And we're sitting here with 300% more cases than we had this time last year. And the nation's chief Infectious disease expert can only reply with, I have no idea why people fully uh, recovered still need to get vaccinated, and I can't tell you when we reach herd immunity. I can't tell you when it's over. I can't tell you when we win. I don't know. We're way past tar and feathering time here. We're way past, here's your George Costanza tap, Tony. Take your early retirement. You don't know? You don't know the answers to those things, but I want to I dictate whether you can travel across state lines or not. I want to dictate whether you can attend a public event or not. Are you, are you freaking kidding me with that? No, he's not. And man, I hate to say this again, and this should not be true. It should not be true. We did not do this to ourselves. China and organizations like EcoHealth, funded by NIH and NIAID, and whatever the hell they were doing in those labs, they did it to us. 
We didn't do this to ourselves. It shouldn't be the case. But lots of things in a fallen world that shouldn't be so are so. And so here we are. And I hate to say this again, I do. But the answer is us. And folks, this isn't going to end until we make it end. And not a moment sooner. I've got several speaking engagements lined up this fall. They're going to pay me thousands of dollars, frankly. Put a vaccine mandate on air travel, I'll just cancel them all. I'll eat that cost. Because I'm pretty confident in the long run I can make back the several thousands of dollars I'll lose not doing those speaking engagements. I control my destiny where that's concerned. I don't control my destiny with what happens when I re-inject a spike protein into my body just a few months after a fully recovered COVID infection. I, I have no control over that. My own mom texted me this morning. Remember, she went out and got vaccinated right away, and I urged her to back in January. And she's like, hey, man, I'm in my 60s. I have no immune system. I'm not getting one of these boosters. No freaking way. No way. I'm not, and I'm not signing up for just rebooster me over and over and over again with technology we don't know the long-term ramifications for. And now you've got former FDA officials and current World Health Organization officials writing papers together in The Lancet, which is a spirit-of-the-age publication, frankly. And even they are sounding the alarm that the juice isn't worth the squeeze here, all right? Whatever benefit you think you're going to get from this is not worth the added anticipated risks of this fast of a rebooster program. Israel just took a look at the failure of, of, of Pfizer full vaccination in its country and just decided, well, now we're just gonna now we're just gonna jab even harder. We're just gonna do it even more. No, you're not doing that to me. Not until you start telling me the truth about basic fundamentals of science. Where is natural immunity? What is the herd immunity threshold? You were able to study this virus so closely that you came up with these vaccines in, pardon the pun, warp speed. But you cannot answer those most fundamental questions of virology, biology, and immunology? No. No, no, no. Can't trust it, as the great prophet Flavor Flav said. Something's not right here. This isn't how this is supposed to work. Something's not Right. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, as Aaron said in Chinese, I told you that that was our lament in March of 2020. Something's not right. Like the, the, we already had enough knowledge out of what happened in Italy. Fine, if not China, but Italy. About the age demographics of this, we did not have to panic, but we wanted to. We've been on that track for a year and a half, and amongst the people that pull the most levers, it hasn't worn off. They can't get enough of it, and they're rubbing it in our faces, like at the Met Gala, in the pictures of Nancy Pelosi one second in front of camera masked, the next second hobnobbing without. I can't help but just think about Loki. You were made to be ruled. How is a place called America tolerating this? 
without knocking some teeth out. You know, my, my supposition about the California recall election, assuming that this is just the most above-board election that we've ever seen, and your lament, Todd, are kind of one and the same here. One, there is just the spirit of the age, COVID stan. But then there's a lot of people who are on the fence, too, maybe. A lot of people out there who just don't want to admit that Voldemort is back. Don't hmm. want to admit that they've been had. Yep. I hope there are people out there like that anyway. Because at least maybe you can still, maybe you can still change that a little bit. But at this point, at this point in this charade, at this point in the charade, um, you either realize, you either get uh, awoken to what's really happening here. I went back and I looked at this thread that I had put together in March of last year. Already, I mean, it was so fast. So fast, the tyranny was just coming down the, the pike so fast. We all saw, all, well, those of us uh, who had eyes to see and ears to hear, we all saw where this was going. And it has gone there. And it can't stop and it won't stop. Again, how does this happen here? It's when people just let it go. Whether it's out of laziness or whether it's out of a fear of 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 looking like you've been had. That's how it gets here. Dr. Marty McCari from Johns Hopkins will join us here in a moment. Well, I saw he had written about this for the Wall Street Journal yesterday, tweeted about it as well, uh, and I shared it on my feed. And, and so I'm very glad we have him here with us right now on Blaze TV radio and podcast, Dr. Marty McCari from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, Marty, it's good to have you back on the show, brother. How are you? Good to be with you back, Steve. So, Marty, I, 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 I don't even know what to say, okay, um, on, on Sunday Anthony Fauci, again, he's supposed to be our chief infectious disease expert. He's not treating patients right now. So he doesn't have his hands full in an ER or an ICU. He's doing whole population health. He's, he's looking, he's running, you know, numbers and models and, and strategies and paradigms. So it's, it's not like he's got anything else to look into. He was asked on CNN over the weekend, why do people who have a fully recovered case of COVID, why do they still need to get vaccinated? His answer? I don't know. He was asked uh, yesterday on MSNBC, what's the herd immunity threshold? Or maybe that was actually today. He was asked on MSNBC, what is the herd immunity? When did we hit it? His answer, I don't know. Marty, we're, we're 18 months into the worst infectious outbreak on our landmass in 100 years. And the guy that wants to decide who gets to cross state lines, who gets to go on an airplane, whether you get to go to an event, whether your kid gets to go to school, can't answer two of the most fundamental questions about science, immunology, biology, virology for us. He cannot answer those questions, but wants to dictate our lives. Marty, talk me off a water tower at this point, Marty. <laughs> well, Steve, I mean, you've nailed it. He's a bureaucrat, and you wrote about this in your book. Had he had a job with any other organization, private or normal, 
he would have been fired a long time ago. Uh, you think about his primary job, warn us of a pandemic and tell us how to manage it. Not only did he fail on both of those, but it turns out that he was funding the lab that was brewing the variant. So um, I am amused, and I hate to laugh because it's so sad what we're dealing with now, but how did he get the title, the nation's top infectious diseases doctor? How do you get a title like that? How, how would I, for example, get the title the nation's top pancreas transplant surgeon. Like, is does Wolf Blitzer um, decide? Because I don't know any infectious diseases doctor that would tell you that the number one infectious diseases expert in the world works in the federal government. But somehow we got this title, and then it was sort of decrees and edicts and groupthink. So I think that was part of the original sin of all of this. He's got one opinion. He's a nice guy. I, I respect. I'll listen to his opinion. I've had a different one on almost every single aspect of the COVID pandemic. But if you look at his organization, the NIH, his uh, very close friend, Francis Collins, also a nice guy, Rochelle Walensky, very nice woman, uh, they are overseeing 30,000 employees, a bu collect a budget of 50, $57 billion. They've not been able to answer the most basic questions we've had the entire pandemic. How does it spread? Do masks work? When are you most contagious? How many people are asymptomatic? Does natural immunity work? So when you don't have scientific research, you have a vacuum of knowledge and political opinions filled that vacuum. That's how we got so polarized. And if you look at all the good research that's coming out of Israel, the, the only cluster randomized control trial looking at cloth and surgical masks came out of Bangladesh. Where is the United States? We are spending $4 trillion on healthcare. How do they not have their act together? They should all be fired. Marty, you mentioned Israel. A month ago, they came out with a, a, a rather exhaustive, um, uh, pretty pro proliferate study when you looked at the sample size. And what they found is that those with natural immunity, I've actually run into blue check marks on Twitter that think when I use the term natural immunity, I am making a religious statement like God made me so I can't, I believe in God so I can't have a disease. I mean, that, that's how vapid and stupid this has been, okay? No, natural immunity when you have, when you have a recovered, documented recovered infection. You've recovered from that infection. What Israel found is that 13 times less likely with natural immunity to test positive for COVID than it just with the vaccinated immunity, 27 times less likely to get a severe case of COVID than with just vaccinated immunity. Given the levels of natural immunity in our country, you would think we, we, we would be celebrating this. You would think uh, an administration that is drowning right now, both in Afghanistan, which is outside your area of expertise, but domestically with COVID and what it's still doing to our economy and everything else, would be looking for a win somewhere. Somewhere where they can say, all right, we got this, guys. No more record inflation, anything else. And, and yet they just continue to ignore this data. They act like natural immunity almost doesn't even work. They, 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 they stifled their own study they did back in May until someone found it about a week and a half ago and published it that also showed the efficacy of natural immunity. What is going on here? And are there any benign or good answers to this? Well, I think people who have natural immunity from prior infection should feel very good about that immunity. And those who have been vaccinated and get a mild breakthrough infection, you can feel good about your immunity after that mild breakthrough infection because you've added natural immunity to vaccinated immunity. 
I think public health officials have been afraid to talk about natural immunity and the data and cherry picked data to try to make it sound, you know, they had the opposite idea. They were saying vaccinated immunity is superior. They had it backwards for a long time. And by the way, Steve, and this is serious, tens of thousands of Americans died because of their incorrect hypothesis. Now in science, it's okay to have a hypothesis and be wrong, but you really wanna make good hypotheses. And they made the incorrect hypothesis and held on to it as tens of thousands of Americans died. Now you might say, how does ignoring natural immunity mean tens of thousands of Americans died? I'll go through this tomorrow in the Washington Post in a piece. When we were supply constrained in mid-December through even up to April of this year, we were doling out millions of vaccines as, ten, as thousands of Americans were dying a day waiting for a vaccine. Vulnerable Americans were waiting and we were giving, we were vaccinating millions of people who had natural immunity. We knew they had previous COVID. We had very strong beliefs as I wrote about extensively and talked until I'm blue in the face. Hey, they already had COVID. Don't immunize them when we're supply constrained. We're rationing a life-saving vaccine. We're giving out life preservers. Don't give a life preserver to somebody already wearing one as people are drowning as a result of this tragic hypothesis that natural immunity is unreliable. Tens of thousands of Americans have died. Now today it's still a problem. Kids are gonna be forced to get vaccinated with two doses, even though they're already immune, it's insane. The second dose has a rate of heart complications in boys as high as one in 3,000. Why are we doing this when we've got clear data from Israel and all over 15 other studies, by the way, show natural immunity is safe, it's durable, the test of time has held it up, and it, it's going strong. Our CDC, I'm glad you brought this up. Our CDC, just about a week and a half ago, came out with some updated seroprevalence data that's found about 80% of Americans either naturally or through vaccination had some form of COVID immunity. To, to the best of my knowledge, now you're the expert, I'm just a guy that researches a lot. To the best of my knowledge, Marty, that is the first publicized seroprevalence data our CDC has produced since July 4th weekend of 2020. And that was from samples that they took at the end of April, the beginning of May. I was sitting here in this studio screaming in, Janu in December, January, why aren't we doing updated seroprevalence data to get a true idea of the level of, in, of recovered infection out there before we roll out these vaccines so that we can prioritize vulnerable people as opposed to hammer, meat nail? Why weren't we doing that? I'm So I wondered if I was just an idiot. You know, I'm just a community college guy. Maybe I'm a moron. <laughs> now I hear the guy from one of the elite medical universities basically posing and positing the same questions here I was asking to our audience during the wintertime. Why didn't we do that, Marty? Well, they're busy over there. They've got 30,000 employees and they are uh, busy buying a stapler from the Office Max catalog, looking at a Lyme disease um, spirochete under a microscope. I don't know, Brian, uh, Steve. It is a disgrace, right? This is the data that we needed. And the fact that they have not produced data in real time the way we need it, and the data they do produce, it's like three months after the fact, and a lot of it's manipulated. Look at the data they produced on natural immunity. Um, it, uh, let's see, this was about, I think, six weeks ago. 
So many of us were, you know, pounding the natural immunity bell for uh, nine months now, 10 months since December. As you know, I wrote like 10 op-eds. I spoke mm-hmm. incessantly about it. And they they were getting so much criticism and it's, it's they, you know, they keep dialing, you know, and CNN finally jumped into the criticism on Thursday. And that's when Fauci was like, I don't know, you know, about natural immunity. Well, um, it turns out that they put out this tiny jerry-rigged study from Ken- Kentucky where they looked at two months of data to say over two months vaccinated immunity was better. And from a science standpoint, Steve, we're saying, what the hell? You are only looking at a two-month window in a 19-month pandemic? That's interesting. I wonder if you're trying to fish for data that supports your conclusion. And you're only reporting the state of Kentucky. That's interesting because you have data on all 50 states. Mm -hmm. You are salami slicing the data to show a conclusion that you've already decided on politically and you're dishonest to the science. Final thing I want to ask you about, Marty, uh, and I want to make it a little personal here. Uh, So yesterday, uh, you know, I'm pushing 50. So, you know, I'm doing my preventative heart health and other things, you know, and I'm talking to the preventative uh, cardiac specialist uh, here at our Iowa Heart Center where I live in the largest medical uh, establishment, the Mercy Medical Establishment in our state. And we were having a great conversation. And I decided for the first time I want to ask a, 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 a medical professional this question. And I said, hey, my wife and I both had documented cases of COVID in the spring um, and uh, confirmed via testing, symptomatic, uh, antibody, after the fact, we absolutely had it. And I can't find any really good data out there, and it's not like I'm not looking, to see what the, what the adverse side effect volume is for reintroducing that spike protein back into my body when I still have, uh, you know, I'm a few months away from a recovered infection. Do you guys have any of that data? And she openly told me, no, they don't. They're way behind on uh, natural immunity research. And she even said to me that they are telling people internally, because they even have some of their own nurses and doctors that have been recovered from COVID that are hesitant of getting in, uh, getting uh, vaccinated to, too soon afterwards, that they're urging people within their own system that n- not to get vaccinated if they have had recovered from COVID in the last 90 days. Now, I'd be just on the outside of that. What is your reaction to that? And what would you say to people like me as a doctor? Well, the Cleveland Clinic study would suggest that there's no added benefit of getting the vaccine if you truly recovered from COVID. And you know it was COVID for sure. So uh, I tell people you can get a vaccination, but you don't need to. And the only study that suggests there might be a benefit to adding a vaccine after you've had COVID is from Israel. And it suggests if you take one dose, like one Pfizer dose, there's a slight reduction in symptomatic uh, risk of COVID in the future. So it's a marginal, minimal, arguable benefit of maybe taking one dose. You don't have to. We would never talk like this about influenza, which you know, all these people pushing vaccine mandates have never gotten the flu shot or required it or pushed for their kids to get it. So um, I would say uh, you can get one dose, but you don't need to. And we've got to recognize natural immunity is real immunity. By the way, you said you're pushing 50. I would just give you a word of advice. The first 50 is the hardest. That's what one of my 100-year-old <laughs> patients told me. 
<laughs> Dr. Marty Macari, Johns Hopkins University. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate your time here on short notice, brother. Thank you very much. Good to be with you, Steve. You bet. Take care. Uh, so how much equity do you have in your home? Don't find out the hard way because cyber thieves are looking for it. Uh, they comb through uh, home, they, they comb through databases where high equity homes are located all over the country looking to see who they can pilfer. They pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home to them, and then they take out loans against your equity. It's called home title theft. And unfortunately, your homeowner's insurance, neither your mortgage lender will protect you. And that's why you want to contact our friends at Home Title Lock. This is all they do is protect people like you and your most valuable asset, your own home. And right now they're offering you a $100 value for free. It's a free title, complete title history of your home. Uh, make sure your home's title is in the free and clear for free right now. It's normally $100 if you register your address at hometitlelock.com. Again, that's hometitlelock.com. Todd and Aaron, any thoughts on the conversation we just had with daughter, Dr. Mar Marty Macari at Johns Hopkins University? Yeah. How, how do guys like him spend the rest of their career putting the pieces together of that profession? How, That's a great point. How can That's it be trusted yeah. for anything? Why would you go? D just basic checkups, basic health care, unless you know that doctor personally on a friendship level mm -hmm. and even then because look at what's happened and uh the mm -hmm. the cultish the cultish uh tribalism that just accelerates i don't know why would you i i don't think they can be trusted generically on just about any level because i think there are nurses there are doctors like dr marty mccary have been around for a long time but the this should have been a hell no on behalf of this profession whole cloth a very very long time ago you're gonna let a guy like dr fauci a guy clearly in love with himself put the imprimatur on your entire profession apparently the answer is yes like a bunch of trained clapping seals for the most part i think we have our answer i mean just briefly before we we head out here i mean we think i think we have our answer i mean you said it earlier who's going to be held accountable how do you put something back together if it doesn't think it needs to be put back together or if it's not broken in the first place, these people don't see most of these most of the establishment doesn't see a problem with what's going on here. It will be interesting to see, though, in the coming months, we have been starting to see a break. First, it was the World Health Organization. Then it was this mm -hmm. international team of experts published in The Lancet saying, let's pump the brake on boosters here. And yet the United States and this administration administration seems to be the only place in the world thinking about adding a third dose to people. So maybe there's a break there. Maybe there's finally a breaking point between academia and, uh, and the politics of this. But as long as the political apparatus is the one who funds a lot of the academics, by and large, I remain dubious. Fake news or not, vaxxed versus unvaxxed. Next. with hour two whoops grab my mic i thought you know there wasn't something in front of my face i know i'm missing something here i'm That's sorry what it is. i left you hanging out to dry i didn't look at you until right before i put no, the camera on no, you. I, 
I'm, this is hardly my first day, brother. I, I should have known I need a mic. Okay, so now that's that's totally on me. <laughs> All right, we're back with hour two, live and on demand here on the Steve Dace program, uh, both a podcast, TV show, and um, just lament. Uh, I am Steve Dace alongside Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin as well. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook where I will be lying to you on the regular. All right. Again, I'm lying to you on Facebook. So just anytime you see hashtag Facebook approved takes, just understand, I, I pretty much believe 180 degrees opposite of what I just posted. If you want a better idea of what I really think on social media, follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show, or look for me on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and now Getter. And then look for clips of the show that you will find that are both free to watch and then free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for all of your support and uh, continuing to grow our audience here. Please leave us a five-star review if you haven't done that yet, as well as click uh, follow or subscribe on your podcast preference of choice. And thank you to all of you, the thousands of you that have done those things for us already. We certainly appreciate you. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to look at the stunning success of the newest offering from the MCU, Shang-Chi. We'll get into that coming up at the bottom of the hour and what it means both for the movie industry, but also the future of the MCU. But let us begin this hour with fake news or not brought to you by My Patriot Supply. So when does the day come? When does the day come when it, it's food now? It's food now that is scarce. Don't think it could not happen here. There's been a lot of things in the last year and a half that we thought could never happen here that have been happening here. All right. So don't take it for granted. Make sure you check out our friends at My Patriot Supply. Uh, they give you top quality emergency survival food that you can only get from them that stays fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage so that if indeed it could never happen here, happens here, and it's food this time. Your neighbors are going to be in lines. You're going to be taken care of. All right, you can save $50 right now on a four-week emergency food supply that includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks for a total of 2,000 calories a day. So you're not going to go hungry, that's for sure. And you don't have to worry about discretion. They won't pull up in a bright orange Doom Prepper van. All right. So this is just for you and your family to have peace of mind right now with their four week emergency food supply for each person in your family. Go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com. So we're hearing a lot of mantras, slogans. Primarily, it's a, it's a, it's a, the Delta variant is primarily a disease of the unvaccinated. And yet, the White House and its uh, hacktastic public health officials keep telling you, though, that if you are vaccinated, you're not protected from the unvaccinated. But what does the actual data show? For the last couple of days, I decided to spend free time I don't really have, but in search of the truth here. And trying to figure out what is the breakdown across many states according to vaccination status? 
Now, the first thing I, I want you to know about this is this is not easy information to find. I went through all 50 states' dashboards, and getting breakdowns of vaccinated to unvaccinated is rare, and that's when it's not misleading. Like you look at a state like Virginia, for example, it does provide it, but and they're not the only state that does this, by the way. Uh, they provide it, but only cumulatively since the start of the year, so pre-Delta variant. No one's arguing against the efficacy of these vaccines against the original variants. The, the issue is the current trend line, all right? So, and that's why we're facing an argument now for, we weren't facing an argument for vaccine mandates in April and May against the original variant, uh, nor were we talking about third booster shots. In fact, if I had gone on Twitter, if I had gone on Twitter and Facebook and said, you guys are going to have, a, get, have to get a third uh, booster shot by Halloween, I'd have, I'd have been suspended if not banned. But that's exactly where we are right now. So the cumulative data doesn't tell us anything. That's, that's the cherry picking of data, very similar to what doc, Dr. Marty McCari from Johns Hopkins was just giving us several examples of at the end of last hour. And these are smart people, so that, that's not that they're bad at this. That is absolutely on purpose. Now, let's talk about also other states that have done this. Ohio did this. For example, same scam with cumulative data instead that ignores the pertinent question being debated right now about the need for boosters due, due to waning efficacy. Here's a state that probably won't surprise you now that does it, Georgia. Georgia does this. Georgia also does the cumulative data canard. You know, the state that apparently did not run an election last year. Um, it was so safe they had to do like eight different recounts. And I think they're still doing them, actually, as we speak. By the way, Ohio, Georgia, those are run by Republican governors. And they're not giving you real data. Now let's go to the states that more clearly did reveal this information. These were the only states I could find that made this information readily available on their COVID dashboards. Again, I checked out all 50 states. Um, and and I, may, I may have missed a couple. Because in a lot of these places, it's it's locked, it's tucked away. You've got to really dig for it, all right? Uh, or they offer you the raw, num the raw numbers without providing any form of context for you, so you have to do that yourself. Again, this is not easy information in many of these places to find. So there may be a couple of places. I, I, I can foresee a few of you saying, hey, you missed our state. Here's where you get it. I, I might have missed four, five, six of them. I promise you. I did not miss 15 or 20. And, and when they do provide it, by the way, it's also not uniform. Meaning, sometimes they tell us um, that uh, both cases, deaths, and hospitalizations, all three, sometimes they only tell you one, sometimes they only tell you two out of the three. So again, folks, even though this is the number one public policy debate domestically in the country right now, whether or not to mandate these vaccines. It is not easy to get actual real-time data on a statewide level in America on their current efficacy level. That's, that's, it's, this is not easy data to, to encounter. That, is, I am sure, is not accidental. But let's look at the states where we were able to piece some things together, okay? Let's start here with Connecticut. Connecticut's state COVID dashboard says right now 
31% of the new cases in the state are fully vaccinated, 31%. And then also says 28% of those currently hospitalized with COVID are also fully vaccinated. So about one out of three new cases and a, and a, little, a little bit more than one out of four hospitalizations in Connecticut, fully vaccinated. Next, Maryland. Maryland's COVID dashboard says 25% of its new cases in July were fully vaccinated, as were 20% of the state's new hospitalizations. So one out of four new cases fully vaccinated, um, about one in five new cases or, or one out of five hospitalizations were fully vaccinated as well. In Louisiana, Louisiana says on its COVID dashboard, fully vaccinated accounts for 11% of its current cases, 16% of its current deaths, and 11% of its current hospitalizations. Now, why the number is so different between, say, a Louisiana and a Connecticut? We may have an answer to that question here when we get to the end. So just table that question for now. Let me show you some more state data first. Mississippi's COVID, COVID dashboard looks a lot like Louisiana's, even though they're part of that the current Sunbelt wave. 12% of their current hospitalizations fully vaccinated. 13% of their deaths current uh, are, are fully vaccinated. 2%, just 2% of the new cases in Mississippi are fully vaccinated. In Massachusetts, uh, their COVID dashboard says 29% of their current COVID hospitalizations are fully vaccinated. So more than one in four, slightly less than one in three. In Maine, you look at Maine's most recent numbers. Maine admits, now Maine I found fascinating. Maine admits on its COVID dashboard that its vaccine breakthrough data, and I quote, likely reflects an undercount because not all cases are investigated to determine vaccine status. Hmm. Maine admits this. Maine also says that 11% of its hospitalizations and 13% of its deaths since vaccinations began were unvaccinated. So that's its cumulative number and percentage. But we don't have an idea what the current trend line is because of of Delta, if I had to guess, given the trend line we see everywhere else, is that the bulk of those hospitalizations and deaths of the fully vaccinated have occurred here very recently. South Carolina reports on its COVID dashboard that from July 16th to August 15th, 28% of its hospitalizations were fully vaccinated, as were 22% of its deaths. North Dakota, on North Dakota's COVID dashboard, it says that 20% of its hospitalizations in August were fully vaccinated. Are you seeing a trend here? West Virginia, the least vaccinated state in the country, says on its COVID dashboard, 15.5% of the deaths so far in September have been fully vaccinated. And then finally, we have Oregon. Oregon has actually is the only state I found that did this. It does a breakthrough PDF report that it updates regularly. It just doesn't, it's not much of an update. It doesn't really give you great data, but I was able to find this out. 19% of Oregon's current cases are fully vaccinated. So about one in five. Now to the question I posed earlier, 
How do we explain that Louisiana and Mississippi are currently immersed in the ongoing Sunbelt wave that is diminishing, but the time period that we're looking at would encapsulate during that peak season? So how are their breakthrough case numbers so much lower than places like Connecticut and Maine and Massachusetts that are out of season? Well, look at this data. Here are the fully vaccinated rates of the states that we just talked about that did specify their breakthrough data. Now, this is according to Becker Hospital Review, and I've numbered them according to their overall rank in the U.S. Connecticut is the second most vaccinated state, 67.11%. Massachusetts, the third, 66.79%. Maine, the fourth, 6676 Maryland, the 7th, 62.63. Oregon, the 12th, 59.16. Meaning that the higher level of vaccination penetration actually led to a higher amount of breakthrough cases. There's a clear correlation here. Because look at the states that had less. South Carolina, 41st, 44.93. Louisiana, 43rd, 43.3. North Dakota, 46th. 42.72. Mississippi, uh, 47th, 40.78. And I mentioned West Virginia, the worst, at 39.94%. Now, that is the data. That's the best data I could find. Maybe someone can do better than me. I invite you to do it because we want the best data we can provide, whether it's from us or somebody else. But As far as I know, I'm the only person that's gone to all 50 COVID dashboards, but then also published what they did and didn't find. I'm sure other people have done it, but I'm the only one that's published that I know of what I did and did not find during that interim and did it in a way that it applies to the current challenge we face with the current wave we are facing, not some cumulative number. Like we know cumulatively there have been from Bloomberg, there's been well over 100,000 breakthrough cases in the U.S., That number is about two months old now, though, and it's really irrelevant because a lot of that still would have occurred during the original variant that we vaccinated for. So as far as I know, and believe me, I wouldn't have done this work if somebody else had done it. It's not like I have, I I need to add more things to my plate right now. If someone else had done this, I would have just quoted you their information. So as far as I know, this is the only place in America where we have looked at this in all 50 states and then reported it according to the current challenges of the current trend line we're facing. So with that said, Aaron and Todd, the floor is now yours. And Aaron, you get to go first this time. It's it's tough to make uh, necessarily uh, uh, too many inferences beyond what we've already said from this. Am I reading this correctly? Uh, northern states tend to have a higher percentage. That's what I saw, at least to some degree. Northern states. Or another way you can look at it is the states that had higher vaccination rates had higher percentages. You can look at it. We could look at it both ways. You're right. We don't know that yet, but they both would apply. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I mean beyond what we all have already talked about. The higher the vaccination percentage, the, the higher, uh, the incidence of vaccinated hospitalization is. And, uh, to some degree, that makes sense. The more of the population you have 
uh, of something, the more that, of that population you're going to pull from. But that, as you began the beginning of the show, that's not how the vaccination, it's supposed to be an inverse relationship, not a direct relationship. That's how vaccinations are supposed to work. So unless there's some sort of seasonality um, aspect to this, which is something that we were talking about with the natural course of a virus. That's that's something, again, that should be talked about with the natural course of any respiratory virus. Is it's, it's seasonal. These were supposed to be, these vaccines, therapeutics, what have you, were supposed to be circuit breakers and are supposed to be circuit breakers so that we don't have to worry about seasonality, so that we don't have to worry about all of these other things. It's supposed to give you immunity. But it seems like, it seems like right now there is a direct relationship between the number of cases and the percentage of the population that is vaccinated. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Unless, of course, you don't have a vaccine. So, as of right now, again, the the hospital data that we talked about earlier from the Atlantic... That notwithstanding, um, this campaign has been, this campaign has been uh, in terms of actually stopping spread and halting that, or at least um, having it subside. It's been a complete and utter failure. In fact, uh, what's what's even worse than I mean, it, it's it's made it worse. That's what it's suggesting, anyway. All right. Todd, what do you read from this? I'm fi- I, I want to let both of you speak before I offer any further responses or context. I'm finally starting to see with COVID cult eyes. This is my altar call right here. It's so clear now. I get the math. The more vaccinated a population is, the more dangerous the unvaccinated become. It's exactly. just science. Yeah. And it's even worse even worse up north in a place where the virus is actually less lethal at the moment, then the unvaccinated are even more dangerous. Don't you guys see it? It's just so obvious. And yes, I'm trying to sound ridiculous because that is exactly what Dr. Fauci is trying to tell you. That is exactly what the Karen on your social media post is trying to guilt you into believing. That the unvaccinated, the unsullied, are actually more dangerous. Which means in the place where there's hardly any COVID at all, and every single person but one is unvaccinated, that person is basically an evil villain from a comic book universe because of the power that they wield over your life. Run for your lives if everybody but one person is vaccinated because that's how the math works here. The more that the people are vaccinated, the more lethal the unvaccinated become. It's just the science, you damn sheep. First, let me say this. This show should not be the first place probably all of you have ever seen such information. This this should not have been the first time that, that someone has gone through this data. In fact, there shouldn't have been a, a need to go through this data. It should have already been reported. Because here's what we, here's, here's, 
two things can be true at the same time. It, it is absolutely clear according to this data. And, and when you look at the data we'll go into in the overtime today, it will be even more abundantly clear. So make sure that you are a subscriber here to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash dace. Okay. This data and the data we will share with you on, on the overtime today clearly shows that on some level, and, and, and I'm not qualified to tell you what that level is, and I would need more data to, to even make a, uh, an, an, an estimation of what that is. But, it, but, but on some level, the, 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 the COVID vaccinations are largely ineffective to irrelevant against the transmission and spread of COVID or you have what everyone dreads, which is what's called a leaky vaccine, as we've talked about before. The increased case volume and the transmission data clearly indicates that. It's, it's, it's one of those two things. It could even be both of them. In this case, it both could be somewhat true, and I don't know enough to know. It might even be that one leads to the other. I don't know. But... One of these is true, and they could both actually be simultaneously true. And that matters quite a bit when we're talking about mandates. Because if, if the current vaccination program offers little to no resistance, really, against the transmission of the virus, I mean, we're, we're sitting in a situation where two-thirds of Americans are, American adults are fully vaccinated, and yet... Cases in the first two, week of, two weeks of September in the U.S. are over 300% higher than they were the first two weeks of September last year. That, that, that's not how this works, guys. That's not how it's supposed to work. When we're doing immunizations. Now, if you're doing a flu-like vaccine where you're doing a therapeutic and you're at the mercy of the strain of that season, then you get numbers like that. Okay? But they're not, they're not billing this as that, are they? They're not selling it to you as that, are they? No, I mean, they're, they're selling it to you as an immunization that works so well, they have to mandate it while also claiming, though, that even after you get it, you still need to be protected from the unvaccinated, which none of this makes any sense whatsoever. It just doesn't. So either they're trying to hide a central lie or they're trying to hide multiple lies. That being said, however, The numbers that this data also at least provides prima facie evidence that there is still a significant amount of efficacy built in when it comes to severe infection. Now, it is nowhere near what we were promised with the human trials, and it's not even where we were in April or May. And in June, when we went through a period of time where we had 132 consecutive days in this country where we were below 1,000 deaths per day with COVID. And most of those days, we were actually below 500. But it is still not statistically an insignificant amount. Just spitballing here, and I'd have to do more math and look at it more in depth. But I would say on the conservative end, there's at least 60% severe case efficacy here. But I also wouldn't say it's any higher than 80 
So you guys tell me what you think. I don't think that's an insignificant number one way or the other. It's also not nearly what we were promised at the exact same time. And frankly, that's still one hell of a scientific achievement for a virus of unknown to uh, malicious origin. So then why aren't they content with that? Why aren't they content with language that just says, the reality is the best way to stop yourself from getting COVID is to make sure you isolate from people that you know have it, that you yourself uh, have a high vitamin D level. You're taking, you know, eight to 9,000 IUs a day, like Anthony Fauci claims he does. That um, if you're obese, I mean, if you have an autoimmune deficiency or, or depending on the type of diabetes, you're at the mercy of your immune system. If you have a chronic form of diabetes or you're obese, that you are preventatively working on your health. In the meantime, we have, we have like with a flu vaccine, we have a COVID vaccine that will make a significant dent in the likelihood that you will get a severe infection if you take it. All those things are, guys, Is looking at the data, is everything I just said true, reasonably true? Yep. Sure. Then why wasn't that pitch good enough? I mean, we got blindsided by a likely synthetic outbreak in a hostile communist country. And in, and in 18 months, to be able to make that kind of a statement, especially when we're denying people thera, you know, early onset uh, treatments, now the feds want to take over the monoclonal antibody disbursement, that no way in hell should states allow that. I, I, the claim I just made should be good enough. I mean, who would not have celebrated that April, May, June, July of last year? Why isn't it good enough? When the truth in and of itself is still relatively good, why still lie? Any thoughts on that? Because it's not a God killer. The, the, the lie is the thing. As uh, Steve, you wrote about just last week, if memory serves, it's the lie is the whole point. It's upending reality itself. That little cozy little win you're talking about doesn't do that. Getting on with our lives doesn't do that. The devil wants it all, and he's close, and he's marching. And that uh, cozy little truth you talked about, that's not new religion right there. Mm. That it, that's it. The God killer is the point to upend everything, to undo the only nation ever founded on a creed, a creed that said our rights come from God and thus they should be defended. We're in the end game now, man. We're in the end game now. And it, we, we knew, I knew before we ever heard of a COVID, once you believed that the bathroom wars needed to be fought, you were ready to believe in anything. And here we are, Again, like with, with the Met Gala thing, just in your face. Just kneel before Zod in your face. You guys smell a revolution coming, though? No, not the one that should be happening. But there's a revolution coming, all right.
and it's going to be uh, – remember that they just said it out loud last week. The, the, the folks at the National Archives said that the uh, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution had trigger language in them. It's over, folks. It, it's all over. This thing is on fumes. We're living in a place called America right now, but it is dead man walking. The reason they're not content with that type of messaging is the same reason they weren't content with the fact that we knew very early on that this disease did not primarily afflict children or impact the younger generations, which should be a godsend. As Todd has, has pointed out on numerous occasions, it's the same reason why they couldn't be content with protecting and shielding the most vulnerable. Instead, we had to go infect nursing homes with them. It was the same reason we weren't content with the fact that we had a cheap drug on stockpile that could maybe have some good impact on this in early treatment. It's the same reason Mm -hmm. for all of this. The God killer is, is absolutely apropos, Todd. We are the ones that we've been waiting for to save us from this. Not any of that natural stuff, not any of the stuff that we've understood. We had to do it our own way. That's the moral of this story. Very well said, both of you. More in a moment. So I know a lot of you that are listening right now or watching, you're just starting out, maybe buying a home, having babies, building wealth. Be sure to add securing your family's future to your to-do list by establishing a will or a trust at trustandwill.com. All right, trustandwill.com will help you with setting up an estate plan that is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, plan for future medical care, and all from the comfort of your home. And hiring a traditional estate attorney can sometimes cost thousands of dollars. Using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough. That's why you want to go with Trust and Will. Their documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And they offer live customer support for seven all seven days a week. And TrustandWill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your estate. Trust and Will, it's your most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families' assets and legacy. So gain peace of mind right now at trustandwill.com. Again, that's trustandwill.com and go to slash Steve to get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents right now at trustandwill.com slash Steve to get 10% off plus free shipping today at trustandwill.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. So I can't believe I forgot to ask you guys this before the show. Have either one of you seen Shang-Chi yet? Have either one of you seen it? No. No. Okay. And and I know Aaron's got an excuse. He's got a baby. I guess Todd's got an excuse too. He's got a, a grown baby taking college visits. All right. So uh, I'm looking right now at the top grossing films so far this year. Black Widow remains number one. At 183.1 million. Uh, the latest Fast and Furious movie, there's been nine of these, if you can believe it. 
It's number two at 172.9 million. A Quiet Place Part Two at 160.07 million. And then number four is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at 144.5 million, despite only two weeks of release and being released. At right now, when you look at case counts and death counts, this is the worst the virus has been in the country since January. Since mid to late January, things are the worst they have been since then. Really, it's not even close. It's the worst it's been since then. And then you look at guys, Black Widow, known character, familiar, branded in the most popular series of movies in the country since Star Wars. Uh, Fast and Furious is, you know, again, this is the ninth iteration of this franchise. A Quiet Place Part 2, so it's a sequel of an existing, successful, ongoing franchise. And then you've got this outlier here with a character almost nobody knew anything about and a storyline that very few people were familiar with. On, just on the surface, does this maybe show, before we get into the movie itself, on the surface, does this maybe show that people might be yearning for original content out there? Uh, I think they're yearning for anything that makes them feel nostalgic. Hmm. And by that, I don't mean like Americana. I mean like just three years ago when Endgame came out and we, you know, there was still some semblance of heroes and villains and light and dark and... So transcendence is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I really... Yeah. So, yeah, there's... I, I think that's what it is to me. And and even when it's a character you haven't heard of, there's a track record. I mean, I'd imagine I'm like most of America who love those movies. Uh, Steve, there's a lot of people like you, but I think you're still probably in the more minority. I didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know anything about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And those things just delivered and delivered again. So I think, who cares? I haven't heard of this thing. It was fun last time. It's going to be fun this time. And it's the kind of fun that, again, was not shoving agate prop in my face. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, you know, we we can set aside the bread and circuses thing, the distractions uh, as idolatry. I I think it is, I think if we're looking at this as baby steps in the the midst of everything else that we've been talking about, seeing people in mass go out and and set a Labor Day weekend box office record saying, you know, I want to go see this more than I'm afraid of this virus or just not really caring anymore. I, th- I think that's a positive first step. That can't be the last step, though. I think that is uh, I think that is a good thing. And then to what Todd said about learning or yearning, I should say, for, for something transcendent, that's also true as well. And I was trying to think back of the, the in the first phase of, of the MCU, which characters I had never heard of, and I realized basically most of them. And now they're like second nature. So I'm... I'm excited whenever I can actually see this. Um, you know, maybe I don't know if it's out on Disney Plus yet uh, for for a pre- premiere membership, or uh, maybe this weekend I'll, I'll try to get out to to see it. But overall, I think it's a pretty positive first step. It just can't be the last step for this country. Sure. 
I, I agree with you on that, Aaron and Todd. I think you're onto something there with the appeal to transcendence. Now, I was aware, you know, when, when Gar- who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. You know, I'd, I'd seen the comics, knew the characters to some degree, but I also thought they were fairly obscure and a movie would have to be great for it to work. And the movie was great. And so it worked. I, I, as a comic book nerd growing up, I didn't know anything about Shang-Chi. In fact, I never even heard the word Shang-Chi until it was announced as a film by Marvel about two or three years ago. And I don't think I've ever talked about this before, but when I was a little kid, man, I definitely went through my Kung Fu phase. I loved the TV show. You know, I watched Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee movies. I was all into that kind of stuff for a good period of time in my younger elementary school days. I mean, and I was in a comic book, so I would have been like the target demo. I didn't, I didn't, I never heard of a Shang-Chi until Kevin Feige announced that this was going to be one of the first movies of phase four of the Marvel Universe. So, you know, if, if if I don't know who the character is, I would imagine there's a lot of dads with kids my age around the country that also had no idea who in the world this was. Um, and they even brought back a villain they've already used, technically. They used the Mandarin, which is, you know, a one of the all-time great villains in Marvel lore. They used him in Iron Man 3 as basically a uh, as an agitprop decoy, which... The movie was greatly popular, infuriated people like me, and enough fanboys were infuriated that Marvel had to do like a one-shot movie a few, a couple of years, about a year later, where they, where they made it clear that the real Mandarin is actually still out there in, in the Marvel universe, okay? And he's a total badass. So that's the Mandarin that you get in this film. He even references how uh, he was uh, um, uh, impersonated in Iron Man 3. And they have a rather, I don't want to spoil it uh, for, for those of you that haven't seen it, they have a rather um, unique way of how he handled that situation um, with Trevor Slattery. And it is dealt with and addressed in the film. And I'll leave it to those of you who haven't seen it yet to see that for yourselves. Okay. Um, it's not quite the Mandarin that, you know, we, we saw Iron Man fight for so many years in the comics, but it is certainly a much more worthwhile uh, iteration than what we were given in Iron Man 3. There's a lot of Eastern mysticism in the film, um, but there is also a lot of appeals to transcendence when it comes to honor, commitment, good and evil, family, things of that nature. So, Todd, you're right that it does appeal to uh, sort of a, a, a wider yearning within the, the human soul and uh, heart uh, for redemptive themes and elements. It certainly appeals to that. I don't think it's the masterpiece film that uh, some of the reviewers claimed. I would put it about on par with a Black Panther, which is a film I really liked, and I really liked this one. I mean, I just I don't think it it's not Marvel's greatest origin story. It's a hell of a lot better story than Black Widow, but it's not as good as the Captain America, the first Avenger. It's not as good as the first Iron Man, for example. I don't even think it's as good as the first Ant Man, actually. Uh, but it certainly is a worthwhile film, has some uh, fantastic action scenes and fighting scenes. I actually think the first act of the film is better, is the best act of the film, and is better than the final act, and the first act is phenomenal. But overall, it is worth your time. And the after credit scene, absolutely, I don't want to spoil that either, but it absolutely moves the 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 narrative of Phase 4 much further along than any of the post Avengers Endgame films have so far, which would be what Black Widow, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Was there another one I'm forgetting? Uh, 
And it, it certainly moves it into the kinds of territories that were discussed, I think, um, uh, that that not necessarily dealing with time travel, but it, it moves it in, in, into a, a further acknowledgement of a new threat out there, similar to what you saw with the Loki television show. You guys have any thoughts or questions about that? Well, the, the next movie is going to be The Eternals, right? Yes. So is there any door opened for where they come in? either specifically or theoretically? See, I don't think we know because The Eternals was supposed to be out like a year ago. It oh. was it was supposed to be out before this film. Oh. That movie's been done okay. for a while. Interesting. And and The Eternals was really supposed to be the, the, the first film of Phase 4 that really moved the narrative on where Marvel's going in the future. But it got put off because of COVID. And, and so they ran with Shang-Chi instead first. Uh, just like, you know, Loki and those shows were in and WandaVision were actually supposed to come out after Eternals came out. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So we're not really I don't know that we really know how things are progressing on the overall meta front, Todd. Oh, interesting. Are there any uh, mid or, or post credit scenes? Both the post credit scenes are worth your while. OK. The second one, it, you know, um, I, I can just tell you that one if you don't want to stay for another five minutes of credits, if you're that impatient, although I think it's worth your time. But that one, I can just tell you the first post credit scene, which comes mid credits after the, you know, the major cast credits and stuff are 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 listed. You absolutely want to see that with your own eyes, uh, because that that tells you more about the Ten Rings. These are different than the rings in the comics. And the in the comics, the Mandarin, you know, I've always told you guys that almost everything in Marvel is a derivative of D.C., the Mandarin is actually a villainous derivative of Green Lantern, all right? And so a villainous character comes upon not one ring uh, like Green Lantern does with the uh, fallen lantern, Abin Sur, and he gets his Green Lantern singular ring. Uh, in this case, um, the character that becomes known as the Mandarin, Wen Wu, comes upon 10 rings that, like, in ha that are that encased in them are like, I think it's like the souls or something of, uh, of 10 different alien warriors like signify different attributes of a warrior. Um, and he chooses to use them for evil instead of Green Lantern using his ring for good. And in this case, because we just went through, you know, the, uh, the, the, the infinity stones that were worn like rings on an infinity gauntlet, they turned them into bracelets. They also mimic, you know, sort of a martial arts bracelets, strength bracelets that they use in some forms of martial arts. So they kind of combine those two things. So they're not really rings. They're more bracelets. And they kind of reference the origin of them from the comics, but they don't really go into it specifically. But the after credit scene that you definitely want to see the first one definitely hints at something else. And I don't want to spoil that for you. I think you should see that on your own. And how about the uh, actor? He seems fine in the commercials. Is this a guy that can become a sort of household name based on his charisma you were gonna you know what and is it is it what's it um i forgot his name is it simon Liu or something like that know. is his name there's a great story about this guy where for money he was uh, he was appearing in uh like getty image stock photos <laughs> and and before he had his, his acting break and now people are going back and finding him in these <laughs> in these stock photos and turning him into memes into funny memes so um his character is extremely likable. Uh, is she a love interest? Is she a friend? Uh, Aquafina's character is a little overdone at times, but is overall very likable too. So 
and they make it very clear in the film that that this is going to be a character that's going to be very involved in the overall Marvel story going forward. They make that very clear. And then, and and that's before the film made 144 million dollars. Guys, 144 million dollars without a pandemic in 2 weeks in September would be incredible. I mean, this is already I you know way beyond. I predicted it would shatter the Labor Day record. It's gone way beyond that. I mean, 144 million in September, no matter a pandemic or not, is an incredible amount of money. Let alone with what's going on right now with Delta and everything else. So does this guy know Kung? You, does he know Kung Fu at the beginning of the movie, or does he end up knowing Kung Fu because it's magic? I, if I answer that question, no. it would spoil it for okay. you. Okay. Okay. But so I'm over the target then. Question. I'm over yeah, the but target. I don't want to, yeah, but I don't want to answer it for you. Got it. Okay. All right, so you guys know that I love me some Built Bar. So before I get out of here, let me tell you about one of my absolute all-time favorite products. It is the greatest protein bar you've ever had, and it's better than the vast majority of candy bars you've ever tried, but without all the sugar, carbs, fat, and calories. Phenomenal everyday flavors you can get, like salted caramel, cookies and cream is one of their most popular flavors. I love peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, and then there's the specialty flavors. After the show today, I've got a chocolate chip cookie dough with my name on it sitting right here on my desk waiting for me, all right? So if you want to try Built Bar, and we're getting into the fall, last year they brought out pumpkin chocolate chip. Uh, they brought out white chocolate walnut, walnut. They brought out several different flavors for fall last year and the holidays. Maybe they'll do that again this year. All right. So get on board with Built Bar right now. Go to their website, built.com, B-U-I-L-T. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at D-E-A-C-E and get 15% off your order with the promo code Dace when you go to built.com. If you love Mounds Joy Candy Bars, that the the coconut built bar. I promise you, if I cut out a piece of that coconut built bar with a with a piece of Mounds Joy, you might not be able to tell the difference. That's how good it is. Built.com promo code DACE. Gentlemen, and that's appropriate. We lost Steve right <laughs> at the end of the show. Good grief. That is great. Now Steve there is, is back. You froze up there, brother. I saw that I froze up. Did I get Built Bar in with the promo code? Oh, yeah, that happened? Yeah. That's all good. Okay, that, that's more important than anything we were going to say, right? That's true. That's very true. Uh, one more quick question about Shang-Chi. Any cameos? Yeah. Just yes or no? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think we might have to get the... And I'll uh, say this, it... it at first, you think the cameos you see are irrelevant to the story, but you find out later they're not. So, cool. a little hint there. All right. Very cool. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.